This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 78 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. We recently had a broadcast with Neville Jones where he was talking about faith and church planting and in this episode of the podcast we're bringing you the recording of that broadcast. You can find the full notes on everything that Neville had to say at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 78. So here is Neville Jones. Welcome. Uh, I'm going to speak about faith tonight and uh, kind of break that in with a journey uh, that I've been on both at CCK and since I've been church planting in Berlin for the nearly four years now. And uh, I've decided to, to kind of uh, link faith with some different points. So we're going to look at uh, faith and risk and faith and reality and faith and patience, and we'll work through it like that. So let me, uh, let me just start by... Uh, just want to do some very basic things to start with, um, just to make sure that we have a biblical uh, understanding of faith, um, because I think we we can we can hear and uh, become aware of some quite strange things in the area of faith. Uh, I guess the classic um, uh, classic verse on faith would be Hebrews eleven one which is faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And uh, it's just important that we understand what that verse is saying uh, and just go back and have a very quick look at the Greek. Uh, the word assurance, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The word assurance there is a very strong word in the Greek. It almost has a sense of standing under a guaranteed agreement or a title of possession, something of substance, uh, which is what the word assurance means. So it's it's almost like we're standing on something that's got some uh, agreement to it, some title possession, something that we can inherit. Uh, and then the word hope for, the expression hoped for that's in the ESV, again, the Greek word stronger than that. The Greek word would be something along the lines of completely trusting. So it's like we have a guaranteed title of agreement in something that we can not just hope for, but completely trust in. And, and then it says the conviction of things not seen. And again, that the conviction word in the Greek is more of a sense of a proof, uh, a proof of evidence, a set of uh, facts that convinces, convinces a judge or a jury. Uh, so it, it, it's conviction of things not seen. So it's like a body of evidence that gets presented to a judge or a jury about something of which they haven't seen, but that convinces them. So it's a bit like saying faith is like that. It, it, it's like we become convinced uh, by the word of God about things that we can't see. And so I think it is important to put that down as a foundation when we talk about faith. Some key verses, other verses, Hebrews 11, 6, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever draws near to God must believe that he exists. Uh, without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's very strong. Uh, Romans ten seventeen says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So faith involves believing what God says and that what he says is completely trustworthy. Uh, most of the time, faith is about a belief in God and who he is and not just a personal word, although we do receive personal words about faith. So often um, I hear people say, I've got faith for healing. I'm not sure if I've got faith for healing. And I hear it in other areas as well. I, I, I would say it's not so much faith for healing. It's faith in a God who says you will lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. Uh, or it's faith in Jesus when he says in John 14, 12, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me uh, will do the things that I do. Whoever believes in me will do the things that I do. Uh, so it's not so much faith in the healing, it's faith in what God says about us and healing, that if we lay our hands on the sick, they will recover. 
Uh, I think sometimes um, we we can have uh, faith as church planters. Um, uh, we want a bigger building, or we want to see. We've got faith for a bigger building. We've got faith for more people to be saved. I would say no, no. I've got faith in in the prophetic promises over Jesus from Isaiah nine, Isaiah nine, where it says uh, of the increase of his government there will be no end. That's why I can believe uh, for more people to be saved and a bigger building to put them in because it's been promised over Jesus that at the increase of his government, there will be no end. Do you see the point I'm making? You can know it with money, so we can have faith for money. And I think we can get specific words about money. But actually, what we really need is faith in in verses like Philippians 4, uh, 19, which talks about, uh, Paul says, God will supply all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. And he's talking about the context of a gift there that he's received. God will supply all my needs, all my needs. He'll supply all your needs. Uh, For me, that's faith for money. So the way that I have faith for money is that I believe that scripture, that God is someone who supplies all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And you can go on with other things uh, about what you might have faith for, but ultimately what you need is faith in the promises of God about the thing you want faith for. I hope that makes sense. I think it's just important to put that in as a foundation at the, at the very start. I mean, we, we can go on to lots of other, other subjects, but we, we, we need to keep going back and saying, do we believe God is who he says he is? And do we believe his promises? Uh, as I said, Romans 10, 7. So faith comes from hearing and hearing comes through the word of Christ. That's where you get faith. That's where the roots of our faith need to be. Uh, in what God has already said to us and the promises he's made. And that's what we stand. That's what we stand on. So the reason we have faith for healing is because Jesus has said, if you lay your hands on the sick, they will all get better. Uh, Greater things will you do when, when I go. Uh, That's what gives me faith for healing. I've got faith in the healing as such. I've got faith in the promises of God over my life and what he says about what will happen when I pray for someone as a righteous person who's received Christ. Uh, so it's just important. It's faith in God. It's faith in his promises. And that's what we must root all this into. Um, the second thing it would be good to talk about is faith and risk. Um, now you can't escape the risk. You can't escape risk when you talk about faith because it's being sure of what we cannot see. So, we, we believe in this eternal God. We believe his promises. We believe the things he said. Uh, but faith is required because we become convinced of things we can't see. We become convinced in this God that we can't actually physically put our eyes on. Uh, and so we, we, it involves some risk. And I always say to people who say, look, I'm, I think I'm, I'm, I'm walking in faith. Uh, I, I kind of say, well, when was the last time that you did something or said something that if God didn't back you up, you were in serious trouble. And I I think it's always a good question to keep asking ourselves, when was the last time you got out the boat? When was the last time you did or said something that if God didn't come in, if, if, if God's promises aren't true, then you're in trouble. If he doesn't come in and back up what you're saying or doing, you're in trouble. There's got to be some risk involved with faith now you can't live your whole life you can't live every minute of every day like that because you'll just burn yourself out but there needs to be ongoing moments where it's like oh god if you don't come in now i'm in trouble there's got to be some risk involved with faith there's got to be some god you said this now come on i'm stepping out i'm moving forward we've got to do that with risk it's interesting in hebrews 11 If you go through Hebrews 11, it nearly always requires action. It requires acting on what you believe. These people are commended for what they did. And often it's simply obedience to God. It's obedience to something that God said to them. So God said something to them. They heard it. They believed it. And then they acted in obedience. And that is what they're that is what they're commended for. They're not commended just for hearing something. They're commended for their action and obedience on the basis of what they heard. For some of them, it is speaking something out, uh, but mainly it's for things that they actually did. And I think in my life, I've come to moments in my life where I've just had to take some risk. Um, 
I think when I uh, came on staff uh, in the church in Brighton, um, I was at a very successful job up in London. Uh, I had to take a, a large, a very large, a very considerable uh, drop in salary. And it's like, God, are you going to provide? Is this going to be okay? Uh, God, there's some, some risk here. And uh, Philippians 4 9, my God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You, you, you've just got to get out of the boat. You've got to say, no, God, if you've said this, I'm going to take some risk. You just can't avoid uh, putting uh, risk with faith sometimes. I think when I think about Berlin twice with venues, um, when we launched the, the Mosaic Church, uh, we, we were looking for a venue. We had problems finding a venue. In the end, I said, look, we, we've got to do this. We, we set a date, in, in this would have been in the autumn of uh, 2014, uh, we've got to do this. And I remember putting up on Facebook uh, news uh, that we were going to launch this church. And we put a count, I remember setting up a 30-day countdown clock on the Facebook page. And I remember talking to someone and saying, are we going to press this button? We didn't have a venue. We, we had no venue agreed. Uh, we, we had the possibility of something. that We, had no, we hadn't talked to the people properly. We, we hadn't got to do any contract negotiations. We didn't even fully know what this was going to cost. We didn't even know if we could afford it. And I said, we've got to do this. We've we waited to. We've just got to go for this. Uh, 30 days. And I remember the clock started ticking down on the Facebook page. Uh, no venue to go to. Yeah, we're launching. Uh, yeah, we can't tell you where we're going to meet yet because we don't know. And I'm thinking, God, please don't let this get to day 28 or day 29. And by the mercy of God, by I think it was day 20. So that's in 20 days, we actually managed to get this venue sorted, get the contract, get the price for what we wanted it, and, and get it signed uh, with 10 days to go. Uh, that was like that was risk. I remember making the decision, God, if you don't come in here, we're gonna look, I'm gonna look stupid. <laughs> I'm telling people we're launching, we haven't got a venue. It was risky. The second time we went for a venue, uh, we outgrew that venue uh, and then spent most of last year looking for another venue. It's very hard to find them in the city of Berlin. And uh, in the end, I think by the summer, I felt God say, no, you've just got to do a second meeting. So we announced it to the church. We even set a date. I think it was the 20th or 27th of September and said, we're going to launch the second service. And then by early September, uh, we suddenly found this amazing venue uh, for the they, they accepted a ridiculous offer. And so we never started the second service and we moved into this new venue. I think the Sunday after we were due to start a second service. So sometimes you've just got to go for it. And when you go for it, God steps in and he's with you. So there's a lot more I could say on faith and risk, um, but that hopefully gives you some sense of it. Um, faith and risk, uh, faith and reality. You might think this is a strange one. I think, what what I what I mean by this is that sometimes um, I, I think people sometimes feel to be full of faith, you've almost got to deny the problems or the mountains or the issues that are in front of you. It's like if you're still acknowledging them, it's like somehow you're failing in faith. And I just don't think that's true. I think we can get into huge unreality on this area and think uh, – uh, uh, God, I'm going to trust you. I've got faith. And it's like, I'm, I'm going to ignore these things that are in front of me. I'm, I'm going to pretend they're not there. I, I just say, I think that's foolishness. I think for me, the one of the classic examples of that in scripture is Numbers 13, where the spies come back. They've been into the land and they come back apart from uh, Caleb and they go, uh, this land is, is, is full of huge cities. The walls are up to heaven. The people are huge. There's no way we're going to get into this place. And I find Caleb's response interesting. Caleb in Numbers 13 doesn't say, you've got it wrong. It's not true. It's not true. Of course, the cities aren't walled up to heaven. The people aren't huge. He doesn't say that. What, he's, what he says is, is he quieted the people and he says, let's go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. He doesn't say there's not mountains in front of us. He doesn't say these cities aren't walled up to heaven. He doesn't say that people aren't tall and huge. He just, in effect, he's saying it's true, but God is bigger. And I think that's the way we've got to do these things. So, so in, in, in the city of Berlin, church planting in the middle of this city of nearly 4 million people with the challenge of, uh, of secularism and humanism and atheism, uh, it's no good me saying I'm believing God for this amazing church and therefore uh, it's just easy. Problems are just disappearing. They're not there. The challenge is what challenges? No challenges. 
It's foolishness. It doesn't mean because I believe that God's hand is on us as a church to do something significant in the city that there aren't still huge challenges in front of us. What I'm believing with faith is that God is bigger than all those challenges, that he is more powerful, that he is more able, okay, to overcome any of these challenges. And that's what Caleb does. He just says, surely we can do it. We can do it. He's not saying, spies, you're wrong. What you've seen is wrong. He's just saying, no, no, I know a God is bigger. And so it's very important for us to do that as we go forward, particularly as we church plant, is that we just don't pretend these things aren't in front of us, these problems. They are. Faith doesn't mean they go away. Faith simply means you have more faith in in God who is able to overcome these challenges. Hope that makes sense. Uh, Number four, uh, faith and testing. Okay, this this is a biggie. This seems to happen a lot. Um, I've split this. I want to talk about faith and testing. I want to talk about delay, and in a moment I'll talk about setback. Delay first under the heading of faith and testing. Delay is a big thing. Um, Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I think if we pretend that isn't true or it just doesn't apply to us, I think we'll hit trouble. I know that in my own life, uh, I try to pretend that delay and disappointment doesn't affect us. It does affect us. And we have to learn how to deal with it. And that's why it's in the Bible. That's why it's put into Proverbs. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so what you often find is that God will give us a word and we have to wait for the fulfillment of the word. And it just happens again and again in Scripture. It's happened in my life. Let me just quickly give you an example from Scripture. I find this an interesting one. In John 4, verse 43, probably through about 54, there's an interaction between a man who comes to Jesus and says, will you come and heal my child? And he's obviously heard about Jesus. He doesn't doesn't say he believes in Jesus. Uh, He hasn't accepted Jesus into his life. Uh, he simply sees him as a miracle-working person who's worked some miracles. He's heard about it. And Jesus, he, 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 Jesus, uh, he comes to Jesus, and what he does, he says, he says, Sir, please come down with me before my child dies. And he's saying, please come to the village that I live in, where my child is, and save my child. My child is dying. And Jesus is kind of as is his way, he's quite rude to him in some ways. He kind of brushes him off. The man won't be brushed off. He comes back again. There's kind of a mini argument going on with Jesus. And by verse 50, I think it is, Jesus in the end says to him, go, your son will live. Interesting. Go, your son will live. Now, this is massive. It then goes on to say, the second half of the verse, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And we can read that and just think, oh, that's nice. Uh, So Jesus says, go, your son will live. And the man just goes on his way because he believed Jesus. I don't know what the gap was between Jesus saying, go, your son will live, and the man then going on his way. I don't know whether it was instantaneous. I wonder whether there was a wrestling going on inside that man. Do I believe what this Jesus has said to me? Because up until now, there's no point in Scripture where a healing had happened without the person being with the person that they healed. Suddenly, you've got Jesus now saying, this, this boy is about 20 miles away, and Jesus is saying, he's well, go. And this man has to believe. He says he believed the word that Jesus has spoken and went on his way. And actually, he walked from Cana to Capernaum, where his village was, about a 20-mile walk. And you think, man, what a lonely walk that must have been. He must have been wrestling for 20 miles, about a five-hour walk. And before, just before he gets back to Communion, they rush out to him and say, your son's well. How many hours was he struggling with that? And I think that is a little portrait, if you like, a little picture so often of our lives, um, of how God speaks to us. Uh, it's like he says to this man, go. He, he's given, he gives the man his request. And so often we ask for things and we think, Jesus, uh, or God, you've given me that. Thank you. Uh, but somehow then we have to go on this annoying walk. And, and for this man, it was 20 miles. Uh, maybe for you, that's what you're in now. You felt like God's spoken to you. He said some things to you. And by faith, 
you've taken hold of them and believed them, and maybe you've even moved on the basis of them. Maybe you've changed what your work situation. Maybe you even changed your country. Maybe you've changed a lot of things, and it's like uh, it hasn't quite come about yet the way I thought it was come about, or this is taking a bit longer than I thought. I didn't think it would happen like this. And you feel like you're in the middle of a 20-mile walk. It happened a bit like that for me. So when I was in my late teens, I felt God said to me very clearly that uh, God was going to use me in, in, in preaching and teaching and helping to build um, a very large church in, in, in Brighton. And in effect, I had to wait almost 20 years till I was in nearly my late 30s uh, before that fully came to pass. And it's like this man had a 20-mile walk. It's like I had a 20-year walk where I felt God spoke to me. It's like it's like God says, go, this is what I'm going to do. I said, okay, God, I'm going. Um, but then it took 20 years before I really felt I started to see what God had said to me in my late teens. And I, I think that's so often what happens with us. Uh, God speaks to us, gives us a promise, and then it's testing. It just feels tough and delay is often one of the big testing things that happens. Um, Jesus could have walked with this man to Capernaum, but he chooses not to. <laughs> he chooses to say, no, no, you go, he's well. It's like, oh, Jesus, you could have just gone with him, but he didn't. And I, I, I think I think so often delay is there because God is trying to see what's in your heart, what's in my heart. Am I going to trust him? Am I going to believe he's who he says he is and the promises he gives over the delay in my life. Uh, uh, I just think this is a huge challenge for us. Uh, it's like he knows what we need. We, we either need reassurance or we need a long, lonely walk to mature us into the image of Christ. And uh, I think that what, what is God about so often of the time. It's like Berlin, the first year I was church planting in Berlin. It felt like, where's the progress? What's happening? This is slow. This is... God, this is just, I'm not making any progress here. This just seems to be, I, I just don't know what's happening. How long is this thing going to take? I thought you promised this. This just doesn't happen like I thought it was going to happen. There's just challenges everywhere. And uh, it's like, God, this is going to take, how long is this going to take? And uh, it's in those moments, you, you just got to let God keep dealing with you uh, and keep walking and keep going and keep believing the words that have been spoken. This is what this man says in, in John 4, 50. He says, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And God is looking at what's in our hearts. Uh, that's delay. Testing, um, uh, under testing, secondly, setback. And I think this can be even more dramatic because delay can seem like, well, this is just going sideways. Uh, God, you said this. And I kind of feel like I'm walking ahead, but it doesn't feel like I'm coming into the promises. But setback feels like we're going backwards. And so that can get even more difficult. It's like, God, you spoke this. I am started this walk, and now it feels like I'm going in completely the wrong direction. What is going on? You look at Joseph. We haven't got time to open up the life of Joseph, but, but he has this dream. It's an amazing dream. He's then sold into slavery. He's then uh, falsely accused. He's then put in prison. <laughs> setback, setback, setback before he starts to inherit the promises. So often it isn't even just delay. It's as that we have to put up with it. It feels like it's going backwards. Uh, and that's when we really have to hang on to God. Just briefly for me, in my life, I think I know a little bit of, what's, a little bit of what that's like. Um, so I kind of waited 20 years for the fulfillment of some promises. And I remember thinking, wow, I've arrived now. God, thank you so much. The walk's at an end. I've got here. Uh, this is great. Um, within a year, actually, I think within six or eight months of um, being on staff in Brighton in the church, uh, became seriously ill. I actually uh, got diagnosed with cancer <clears throat> in my late 30s and nearly I had to take nearly a year off work, on and off. I think I had six operations, uh, rushed into hospital a number of times, ended up um, ended up with a six or seven-hour operation, um, intensive care for three days. It's like, God, what is happening? This just feels like I've gone 20 miles the wrong way. Um, it's not just LA. It's like this is 
grim. <laughs> this this feels like everything's coming in on me. What 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 is going on? And that's when we have to dig into God. Uh, that that's when we have to really know what's happening. It's like the, the situation in Berlin. Um, we've had some disastrous moments. I can't go into detail on this. We've had some moments where it's felt like, God, what are you doing? I don't understand what's happening here. Some dramatically bad moments. Uh, and yet, no, no, we hold on to promises. You know, God, you're faithful. You've promised this thing. You're going to see this through. You've got purposes for us. You know what you're doing. You've got to hang on. Faith and testing. Testing goes with faith. If you're not being tested, if you're not feeling testing, then I would question whether you're operating in the realm of faith. Okay, that was the fourth point. Let me move on. Um, faith and patience. <clears throat> I'm going to finish with two ways, um, two ways to inherit promises. Uh, so so uh, you're going to get tested. It can be delay. It can be setback. It can look like all sorts of different things. What, what I would encourage you not to do is just to try harder. Um, uh, I put faith and patience together. This is, for me, is how we overcome delay and setback. Is faith and patience. Uh, let me just read this to you. Hebrews 6, verse 11 and 12. Um, we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that your hope may be fully assured. <clears throat> verse 12, then you will not be sluggish, but will imitate those who through faith and patience. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. What a strange combination. It's there in Scripture, in, in, in Hebrews chapter 6. It actually puts faith and patience together as a way to inherit promises. Okay. It's not that you just need faith, but it's like you need faith and patience. Uh, you need both. It's like they're both required. Not just one, but you require both. <clears throat> we don't like that. We often don't think these two things go together. It's like when faith comes, then patience isn't needed anymore. It just needs to go because we've got faith and we're going to break through now. Uh, scripture helpfully says you inherit promises through faith and through patience. You need both of these things. And we just think that's a strange combination, faith, uh, patience that doesn't seem to go together. Uh, faith has solved the problem of delay of needing patience, but that's it, not what Scripture says. It says, imitate those who through faith and patience be like those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Uh, let me just quickly, I can give you some examples. Um, Hebrews 11, Jericho, it's interesting. So the Jericho walls fall down. We go, yes, that's amazing. Bring it on. I wish I was there. I want to be part of that. I, I, want, to, I want to be there and scream and shout and these walls come down. Must have been amazing, uh, but we forget Caleb was walking around there. Caleb was walking around. Let's think about Caleb for a moment. So what he had to do, what they had to do was walk around. Um, uh, they had encircled the city for seven days in silence, seven days in silence. But before that, Caleb had spent 40 years walking through the wilderness to inherit promises that meant the walls of Jericho were going to come down. So you go back seven days of silence, and then for Caleb, you go back 40 years of being in the desert, and the walls of Jericho come down. We mustn't forget the backstory of what, what's happened here. This is Caleb inheriting promises after 40 years <clears throat> and seven days of silence, and then the noise, and then the walls come down. Faith. And patience. I think this is a huge problem for us in the West, particularly the West today. Society, particularly young people, we live in a society that um, we just want things quicker and quicker and quicker. So if a website page doesn't turn over in one and a half seconds, we're, we're upset. Uh, if the supermarket queues too long, if Amazon don't deliver in three hours or the next morning, I could the list could go on. I mean, they're apparently going to drop things by drones soon. Who do, I don't know what's going to be next. This is a generation that wants things now. They want them immediately, and they're on to the next thing. Uh, it, it's, interesting, it's interesting here. Scripture doesn't change. So Hebrews 6 is still written <clears throat> for Europe in the 21st century that you inherit promises through faith and patience. Okay, this isn't changing. 
God isn't going to go, oh, this is too difficult now for this generation. I'm going to have to change the rules. Uh, no scripture stands, Hebrews 6 stands, that you inherit promises through faith and patience. And, and we need help with this today in the society we live in because we want everything now. We need to dig in. We need to learn patience. That's how you inherit things. That's the way God seems to work, and I don't think he's going to change. Um, we could go on with people like Elijah who prayed, uh, and it does. what's happening, Elijah? Well, it doesn't look like it. It, it, it just looks like it's staying the same. There's no cloud. Nothing's happening. Uh, and then he prays again, and then he prays again, and then he prays again, and then you know what happens. The cloud comes and the rain comes. Um, we need to learn endurance. We need to learn to hang in there. We need to learn patience. Let me finish with this because I think there's two ways to inherit promises. There's patience and faith. And then the third thing is prayer. Uh, uh, prayer is huge for me um, in, in this. So, so you, receive, you receive your promises. You're on your walk with God. You need patience, but you need to pray as well. You need to say, God, help me. I, I've prayed, I've had the privilege of praying over the years with Terry Virgo. I have the privilege now of praying with his son, Joel, who leads the team in Brighton. Um, men of prayer. I think I've learned a lot of them. I've learned a lot about wrestling in prayer, about saying, God, you said this. God, you said this. God, you spoke. It might be for you. It might be six months ago. It might be a year. It might be two years. It's God, you said this to me. Now, come on. God, you're not, this isn't the Bible. You're not a man that you should lie. God, come on, fulfill your word. Your word says this. Your word says, God, that you're faithful, that you're trustworthy. God, that's what the scripture says about you. Now, please act. Please move. I believe I heard you said this. So come on, God. You, you, it's okay to talk to God. It's okay to wrestle with God. It's okay to quote the promises of God back to him in prayer. I think that keeps you on track. I can't tell you how long you're going to have to do that for, uh, but I think it's one way of helping you in patience and faith to inherit promises. You start getting fervent in prayer. It doesn't mean to say you back off in prayer. You press in in prayer. You inherit things in prayer. In the first place, faith is very linked to prayer. I, I, I think I've received more promises from God and heard things more in a prayer meeting than in any other setting. So I've heard God speak into my life. And so uh, we, we must press into prayer. We must be people. Uh, if we want to be people of faith, we want to advance the kingdom. We've got to be people of prayer. We've got to say, God, speak to me in the place of prayer. Uh, and wrestle with God for answers. So you said that, that, that we need to have faith in promises of God for our lives. So, so I really liked it that it's not actually faith for healing, faith for venue, faith for more people. It's actually having faith in God who promised that he will build his kingdom, that you know, the, 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 um, the harvest is ready so that we should ask the Lord of the harvest to bring the people. So we have faith in God who has promised these things, not in things themselves. I found that actually really, really good. And our first question is, um, can you have faith for something that you don't have a specific promise from God for? Um, yes. I mean, you, you, can have, you can have faith for healing because Jesus said, you lay your hands on the sick, they will get well. <laughs> and Jesus says in four, uh, John fourteen twelve, he says, uh, truly, truly, I mean, that means you better listen to this. <laughs> he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the things that I do. So we can do the things that Jesus said, because that's what Jesus has said. We don't need a specific promise for it. We, we, we act on the word of God. Yeah. That's really good. And also you spoke about faith and risk and how important it is to, to, take, to take risk. And um, you said that, you know, that the question that you ask people often is, um, when was the last time that you did something or said something uh, that actually that you thought, God, if you don't come through, I'm in really big, serious trouble. Can you, if you don't mind, sharing with us, you know, when was that for you last time and, and what uh, it, would, well, it was probably um, the most obvious one. For the, well, the very last time would be last Sunday when I actually preached on signs and wonders. And uh, uh, I, I, um, I got off the platform at the end and we sung some songs that I'm thinking, I, I, I've, got to, I've got to get back on the platform and go for this. So um, that's what we did. So um, uh, we had about 120, 130 in the room. 
And I just said, look, if you're in pain, uh, put put your hand on the part of your body uh, that's hurting. Um, uh, if, if you're in fear, I went through a number of other things. Uh, I'm going to pray for you now publicly, and we're going to believe for the power of God to come on you. Um, and it's like in the back of your mind, you've got a voice saying, you really want to do this? You, you really, you really want to go through with this? Um, and uh, you just have to say, God, I'm just, I'm just trusting you. So that's what we did. And so we prayed. And um, I think we're just getting some stories back afterwards about how God touched people and uh, met with them. But I think you, you've just got to publicly, that would be, that would be the very last time for me. That was just a few days ago. So uh I, it was more, it was just like God, I preached on this or spoken about it. Just got to go for it. Uh, God, I've got to just believe in your power. And so I'm praying in the name of Jesus, be healed, be well. Um, and so that's what we did. And we, we just went for it. Yes. And, and results, results. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're still getting them. I mean, I think, yeah, we, there were some, there were some things, got healings going on. And I haven't got the full stories back yet. Yeah. So God was moving. Um, yeah, and someone came up at the end and uh, said, um, uh, I feel God's saying, please pray for me. I need to receive the Holy Spirit. And, and God was just moving in the room. So um, uh, I felt I felt like, uh, uh, actually, yeah, if I hadn't have done that, I think just doing that opens some things up for the Holy Spirit to move. I think that's what God's looking for. I think God's looking for us to, <clears throat> my, my experience in life often is it's when you, it's when you do that, it's when you put yourself in a place where if God doesn't show up, then it's trouble. <laughs> I think God loves that. I, 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 I think that's when God's able to move. Um, and I think particularly with non-Christians as well, which is a big challenge, very difficult to do. I think God loves to meet with non-Christians and we're so afraid to do that sometimes. Um, but I honestly believe if we give, if we faith, exercising faith, it's like it opens up the door for God to come in with power in those yeah. situations. When, when we go for it with people, when we put ourselves on the edge of it, um, uh, I just think God loves it. And, and that's when God moves in extraordinary ways. But it just requires us uh, to get out of the boat. It's not easy, but but necessary, isn't it? I, I actually really not just <laughs> yeah. I love your story about putting a clock on, on, on Facebook and, you know, when it was ticking down, what were you thinking? And, and how, did you, how did you help the church actually to have faith for it? Because I'm sure as, you know, the days were coming, you know, going down that, I mean, you must be a bit like, oh, oh no, what's going to happen? How, what did you do? How did you speak to your team about that? Um, uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I, I think... I think all I can say is I had faith that we were going to find something. <laughs> um, and so I, uh, I think I kept, I just kept saying, um, I, I'm just trusting God. I, I'm believing God. And I think I had to step out. I think it was very much on to my wife and I, um, we were in this together. Um, and it was our faith and I think that carries, I think that carried people. I think, I mean, there were days early on where you've got doubts. Um, but I think I just got to a point with that where it was strange. I, I remember feeling like God had spoken to me, actually. And I, I, I don't think I ever went into great fear with that because I, I just had this sense that it would be okay. Yeah. Uh, and I felt like God said, no, it's okay. I've got this. Um, It'll be okay. Uh, and I, I think sometimes, uh, I, this is what I mean a little bit, it's like sometimes we have to do something. It's like the, it, it's an obedience thing. So it's like the Hebrews 11 where they're commended for their obedience that they went and did something. I, I, I can't say this for certain, but it's like just the mere fact of doing that and saying we're going to do this, God, we're going to put this clock up. I believe you've spoken. That just gives room for God to come in and do something. Um, and I, I, I can't say if I hadn't have done that, the venue would, I just don't know, but I kind of think, I just kind of think that stuff just gives room for God. And even with the second venue, the fact that we'd, um, we, we just had to go for a second meeting because I just couldn't leave it. We, we were so full. I had to do something. I do wonder whether that's the way that you, in the end, we ended up with the venue because 
we announced and said we're going for the second meeting, uh, which in itself required some faith. And and I said, God, it's like we're showing God we're serious about this. God, we're we're, we're prepared to do anything. Um, we'll go for the second meeting. It's not what we wanted, um, but the most important thing is that we give room for people to find Jesus. Um, yeah. And in the middle of that, as we're working through that decision, then we find the other venue. And I just think sometimes you've got to act in obedience on what you think God's saying to you, and then God moves. That's what happens sometimes. And and obviously, as as a leader, it's very important that you have faith for things, and then you can encourage people, you can bring them with you into it, can't you? Uh, you well, you have to have faith yourself. You can't lead with faith if you haven't got faith. So yeah. faith, faith is one of those things that you can't you can't stand up and talk about and lead people in it if you haven't got it yourself. <clears throat> it just doesn't work. Um, yeah. It's just impossible. But but I think faith is infectious as well. So so if you have faith, <clears throat> uh, I think I I've seen many times that 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 people of faith uh, have great impact on those around them. So, so people that are convinced that God has spoken to them or, as I've said earlier on, are convinced about the promises of God, they can have big impact on other people. And it's quite contagious. So I find faith, people of faith are contagious. So when you hear them pray or you hear them speak faith, you find faith rising in your own heart. And so my encouragement would be to anyone who's church planting is, is just find a way to get to someone who you know has got faith. <laughs> it might not be the faith for the thing you're going for, but even, even if you're around them and you know they've got faith for what they're going for, in some way it just rubs off on you. <laughs> and so just always try and get with someone or pray with someone who's just got faith uh, or even you've more faith than you've got and you'll find you'll grow in faith as a result. So one of the things um, you mentioned before um, is about faith, actually God supplying for all your needs. And uh, one of the questions is that, that um, you know, over the years, CCK had faith for money. And could you give, give some keys for actually how, how do you do this regarding faith? So you could just repeat the question. How so, so Over the years, CCK had faith for money. So what yeah. would be the key for this regarding faith? Okay. <clears throat> uh, uh, yeah, well, you're right. Uh, um, at CCK, uh, God has well, God has done something quite extraordinary at CCK in terms of money. Um, uh, mainly through, I think, um, vision. Um, it's a big question. I'm just thinking it through in my head. Maybe, maybe vision is that we've always had leaders that have set big vision. Um, it's like we're not just here to get by. We're here to build something great and do some great things. <clears throat> and so I, th- uh, I think that vision, I think, releases things in the heart. So I think one of the reasons we've managed to raise the money we've raised is because we've always uh, taught grace of giving. So uh, when Paul talks about the Macedonian church in Corinthians, he talks about the grace of giving that's on them. <clears throat> and uh, I think grace always starts in the heart. And so I think one of the ways that we've always been taught at CGK in Brighton is, is, is that you give through grace, never through compulsion. You give as a response to vision. You give because you believe in what you're giving to and you, you believe in a God uh, who's going to do great things with what you're giving. Uh, never because you feel you're all, you ought to. So there's been a great grace of giving. I think that one of the other things is we, we taught generosity as well. <clears throat> so we taught um, just be generous in the way that God's been generous with you through the gospel. Uh, and so I think it's a combination of, uh, of teaching with great vision, with grace, and teaching about generosity. And, and uh, God has just drawn... God has just done a heart work on us. I mean, early on, we had a prophetic word. This is going back many, many years now. When we when we got a building in the center of the city that cost huge amounts of money back in the 90s, um, I think we raised £3 million uh, back in the 90s. And 
1990s and uh, God gave us a prophetic word. He said it's like an anvil. It's like um, <clears throat> it's like something that a blacksmith uses to uh, to, to bang uh, with a hammer. Uh, he uses it to bang metal into shape. And, and God said, I'm, it's like I'm using these gift days. I'm using the area of finance to shape you into the image of Christ. <laughs> and and it, I think that's true. Um, and I think I look back and I think that's what's happened. Um, so it's like, it's like the whole area of money, you know, God, God says you can't serve two masters. You, you, you can't serve money and God. And if we get this area right in our lives um, and actually we get free from a sense of having to hold on to things, including money and generosity and grace grips us. It's a huge thing in changing us into the image of Christ. And I feel like God shaped us as a church and made us more generous just through winning these battles on money. But ultimately, it comes back to vision, to setting a huge vision of, of what we can go for and teaching that grace of giving. So it's a long answer, but I think that, that I think is how we've done it. Yeah. And how's that translated for you in, in Berlin? Has it been an easy thing for you to, to cast a vision and actually talk about it because Germans are, you know, known to be like, they don't talk about their finances, their private things. So. It's a very good question. Um, uh, it's been, it's been, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of the challenges. Um, <clears throat> I think, uh, I think in Brighton, the CCK, you can take a lot of things just for granted and you suddenly realize actually the Christian world isn't all like this. <laughs> um, Uh, I think Germany, um, I think one of the challenges in Germany is obviously the state tax as well. So a lot of people think, oh, you just pay your tax and that, that's what you do. And um, giving money to a church is a bit strange. Um, so there's a lot of foundational issues. Um, all I can say is that from day one, um, I've simply taught about stewardship and generosity. So uh, I, I've simply taught that um, God gives us things <clears throat> to steward and that isn't just our money it's also our time and our possessions and all the things that we have in our life including our money and one day we're going to have to give an account to God for how we've stewarded and looked after those things <clears throat> and then alongside that I teach generosity and say As Christians who understand the gospel, we should be the most generous people in the world. And that's all I've taught. I've just taught stewardship. Look after what God's given you. You're going to have to give an account for it and be generous because of how generous God's been to you through Jesus Christ. And somehow through the, through the grace of God, um, uh, we've actually got a very generous church. Um, so we're now doing gift days once a year. Um, which um, apparently is very unusual for a German church. <laughs> um, so we've just raised uh, 10,000 euros. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm very grateful for what God's doing. We've got more work to do, but I think I've just taught those two things. I've just taught, I've just taught stewardship and I've taught generosity. And I think that's what you have to do. You just have to, um, you just have to teach into these things and let God do, let the Holy Spirit do the work in people. Um, but you've just got to, you, you've, you've just got to set the lead yourself and, and teach into it and do it. Good, very good. Um, when you were talking about faith and testing, I think that really kind of struck all people because we have quite a lot of questions. And, and obviously you don't go into church planting thinking everything's going to be hunky-dory. But, um, but could you actually give some practical advice How, how to cope with the disappointment of delay? Um, what, what do we do? Obviously, you spoke about patience, but do you have some more practical advice? Yeah, what to do, how to, how to not give into disappointment? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, apart from praying, which obviously I've talked about, I, I, think, <clears throat> I, I think you need to have someone you can properly talk to uh so you need you need someone who you can go to and be very open with um because i think church planting uh can be very lonely 
um, I think it's a very lonely thing. And uh, uh, sometimes God, so, I mean, sometimes God gives you people who are great and very helpful, um, but sometimes they're not the people you can go to with this sort of thing. Uh, sometimes you need peers. I mean, people who who understand you, or people who maybe been through something similar. You've just got to try and find those people in your life that you can talk with and pray with. I, I think that's huge because I think one of the ways we get picked off is also through isolation. Um, and that's why God puts us in community. And I found as a church planter um, the contrast between. I mean, obviously, I've got friends in Brighton. I've got people I can talk to, but it's not quite the same as being in the room with them all the time. You just get more isolated and you have to fight for the community a bit more. Um, and so I, I think we must watch against isolation. Um, I think if the enemy gets you too isolated, then uh, my experience is you start to lose perspective on things quite quickly. And so things set back and delay uh, become become all-consuming things um, and you just lose perspective if you haven't got anyone to properly talk it through with because I think left to yourself um, you just start to think things which aren't true um, and it's like that's what's happened to me definitely even, even as a pastor and an elder in a church um, if I get too isolated, I just start to think things which aren't right. It's like I have to give myself a slap every now and then and go, what are you doing, you idiot? Um, uh, but we've just got an enemy of our souls uh, who, will, who, will, who will cause us to become depressed and downcast. Uh, and so I would say get with someone who is um, – uh, get with someone who you can really share with and really be honest. I think the other thing is to be honest with God. Uh, I think it's okay to shout at God. It's okay to be really emotional with God. Um, I think please um, uh, don't draw back from personal intimacy with God as well. I think I think disappointment and delay can very easily mean we lose our intimacy with God. And, and so we need to fight for that as well. So whatever that is that helps you, whether it's a daily Bible reading or getting hold of something, I'd, I'd include worship in that. I just stick a CD on and worship God, and you suddenly find uh, things start to happen. Um, but, but delay, disappointment, setback, uh, these things are subtle, and, and you suddenly find after a week or two weeks or three weeks, whatever it is, you just feel, hey, I'm, where's God gone? Uh, and so you've got to fight to get back and get in relationship with God. Um, read the Bible as much as you can. I mean, they just, they'd be some very quick other thoughts about what we need to do. And obviously then challenges to, to keep, to, to help people who are with you to have faith and not, yeah. not give into, into fear. And uh, yeah, so that's a, how would you deal with that challenge? Uh, of the people that are with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I, I think I think you've got to as a as a leader, um, you've got to lead. Um, you you you've got to lead people, um, and and you have to. Um, I think that, that that's the challenge. Is, is that as a church planter, as a leader, you've got to know whether you can uh, you can get fed off. You can get fed by the people that are around you or actually whether you need to be go somewhere else in terms of getting input into your life. Um, and But you have to lead those around you. The problem is you can't lead people out of something that isn't happening in your own life. So um, I, I would say if you've got people with you, just be as honest as you can with them, as honest as you feel able. It depends a little bit on the maturity of the people you've got with you. Um, but I would be as honest as I can in terms of sharing frustration. So you're in it together, the sense of praying together, seeking answers from God together. Um, but yeah, you've you've got to try and um, lead, you've got to try and lead people around you. But you can't lead them out of somewhere you're not there yourself. Yeah. And when when you have setbacks, how do you know whether to keep pushing for that thing, uh, you know, in faith, or people to do something, something else, which you know, also could be faith. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, yeah, because I think, I mean, obviously, if you're going on this 
20 mile walk or whatever it is, 20 year walk. At what point, um, what point do you say maybe that I didn't hear God? <laughs> it's a big question. Um, I, I, I think for me, obviously I can't, I, I can only generalize. I can't go on specific situations and so every situation is different with this. So I think, I think if it's something that's quite specific or a call of God on your life or something you feel God has said to you personally, then, um, and there's just delay or there's setback or there's frustration and nothing seems to go right. I, I, I think you, you've got to go back to the promise you thought you received. How did it come? Uh, who gave it to you? Uh, has it been backed up by anyone else? Look at where the input came from. Um, and find a couple of people who you really trust to speak into your life uh, and be really honest with them and say, what do I do here? Did I hear from God? Is this just, is this just that I'm mile 15 and I get to need to get to mile 18 and then it's going to happen? Or actually, am I going in the wrong direction here? What, um, the problem is, I think we are the worst people to know that sometimes <laughs> because uh, we think we've heard from God. We're on the journey. Uh, and that's why we need wise people. We need people of discernment um, to really speak into our lives at that point. And so uh, that's what I would always say to people, because I get asked that question as a pastor. And I think um, uh, I'm, I'm always trying to build up a picture of who spoke into that person's life, how many people spoke into that person's life. How did they speak? What do those people feel now? Do they still feel the same? Or, and so I, I think it's just building up a picture and, and, and trying to get input from two or three very trusted sources to say, did I hear right? I think this, this is the challenge in this area because th this is the difference between acting on Scripture. So it's like we're moving out on a promise that God's given in Scripture that isn't going to change. And God giving us a specific, specific direction for our life, which you can't point to Hebrews 4 verse 27 and say, that's what it says. Um, this is the direction that God's caused us to go in. It's something specific. And therefore, we, we just need to keep, um, we need to keep getting input from other people. We need to keep praying. We need to keep being wise. We need to keep asking the question. Uh, and in the end, I honestly feel like, we, we, we have to trust the work of the Holy Spirit as well. So I, I think in the end that if we're just pushing and pushing and God, um, uh, this, this, this isn't right or the thing's changed or, or God's got a different course for us to go down now, um, I, think, I think the Spirit starts to witness to our spirits. And, and I think either we get a lack of peace or we start to get peace for a different route or something. And I think we've got to be open to that as well. Sorry, it's a long answer. No, it's brilliant. Yeah, no, that's really good. And if we can do one more question, that that'll be great, and then we'll finish. And um, what would be some of the challenges, well, as a leader, to lead people who are who naturally have optimistic outlook on the world, and 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 those that naturally have pessimistic outlook and would complain and grumble? How how do you what do you do with that? <laughs> oh well. Um... Um, how do I do that? Um, lead well, let's split it. Lead optimistic people. Um, well, I, li I like optimistic people. <laughs> um, uh, I think optimistic people. Uh, you you you've got to give them um, optimistic people. Uh, they don't often need encouragement to step out. They they just need that. They for me, you've got to make sure they're grounded. So you make sure they're grounded in scripture and make sure they're grounded in the Word of God and they're studying the Word of God and they're learning the Word of God and the relationship's good and uh, and try to let them go as much as possible. Um, uh, um, uh, people who, who, um, who are more negative generally in, in their outlook, um, I think you, you have to keep inspiring those people uh, with promises and faith. I, I think, uh, yeah, it's difficult to know what's behind the question, but I think, I mean, one of the things you have to do is realize that people are different. So, so you, 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 you can't make everyone the same. 
and 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 some people are naturally positive and they're naturally just go getters and and some people aren't um but the people that aren't are often have brilliant giftings so i often look at introverts and extroverts and and what you can't do is expect everyone to worship the same way an introvert and it just doesn't but it doesn't mean to say they don't love god just as much and actually worship isn't going on in their hearts it's just that they bring different things. And so often I find that quieter people are very um, discerning, um, that they're, they're very skillful with people sometimes, um, very good at wise at making decisions. Uh, and so I, I, I don't want to make, I'm not trying to make everyone be exactly the same. I think when it comes to faith, uh, when it comes to faith, though, I think you do want to make people that would more shrink back uh, exercise faith in some way but actually it might not look just like the the um the extrovert it might be slightly different but you still want them taking some risks in their own way that's a risk for them so they're doing something that they feel a bit scared about even if they're uh, someone who would hold back normally well we hope you enjoyed this episode and just a reminder you can find the full notes on everything that neville had to say at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 78 see you next time